Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Bonnie Gillies, better known as the Oz Beauty Expert. Bonnie's online blog, YouTube channel, and Instagram profile attract a huge following for all things related to wellness, beauty, and fashion. Bonnie is a trained makeup artist and has worked in the fashion and film industry for over 10 years. She's presented makeup and hair demonstrations on stage at London Fashion Week, worked with prestigious fashion houses, various TV shows, and even been on feature film. Bonnie's work has even been recognized by royalty, having previously been appointed the personal beauty advisor to the Queen's Lady-in-Waiting at Buckingham Palace. Good morning, Bonnie. Hi, Jake. Thank you you so much for coming and taking time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us. No problem. David, Bonnie, Bonnie, David. Bonnie, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you as well. I see you've uh, colour coordinated your top to your eyes today, and that's one of the things we'll we'll Uh, talk to you about. (laughs) Makeup as a fashion accessory. I have, I have. I noticed that. There you go. Um, So, Bonnie, we've kind of crossed paths at various junctures at clinics and events and stuff. Um, So, we obviously know each other well. David actually came up with the, the concept of this particular podcast and I initially freaked out a little bit, uh-huh. didn't I? Yeah. I was like, we know like nothing what? about makeup, we're men, what are we going to talk about? Um, but actually that's part of you know, promoting that knowledge. So yeah. hopefully you'll guide us through this and yes. if we get a bit lost, you are. You're in safe hands. Not, not David and I. <laughs> um, so firstly, tell us about you and like your background into becoming the Oz Beauty Expert. Like, what? So... I have been a hair and makeup artist for, how old am I, 17 years ago I started. So I worked in fashion for a very long time. I worked in films as well. And then uh, a few years ago, well, I started my website in 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started a blog. And what it was, was it was not about me at all. It was just pictures of models whose hair and makeup I'd done. And I'd list the products and how I did it. And that's all it was to start with. But then Oz Beauty Expert now has grown into something um, much more. So, yeah, I'm the editor of my website, ozbeautyexpert.com. And I still do hair and makeup and a bunch of other things now as well. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Now, we've also got a mutual friend, Dr. Stephen Liu, the plastic surgeon, and he sort of, I remember at a conference, he said that he works quite closely with Ray Morris, who obviously is a a world-famous beauty and makeup expert. And I found it interesting that, you know, whilst it seems so alien to me, the goals of makeup are essentially the same as what we're trying to do as injectors. Yeah whether it's, you know, trying to slim someone's face or contour. So, yeah, so we thought there's a good angle to to this type of chat, but Mm -hmm. maybe we'll go first into the basics of makeup to educate the the men and people like myself. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the fact that you're you're trying to achieve a similar outcome, whether it be with cosmetic injectables or makeup, but there still seems to be um, a little bit of... stigma when it comes to doing something with a needle as opposed to a brush, whereas the primary driver that's making someone want to 
do that is still the same. They want to look better. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Exactly it's still that. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I mean, even when I learned how to do makeup, the basics of it are to shape your face in e- everything that you do and then things you put on your eyes are to shape your eyes. So it's all just different forms of highlighting and contouring basically on your face, the same way you, you draw a picture and make it come to life 3D yeah. by shading and highlighting. It's the same thing on your face and it's the same thing that you guys do. So that's how I was taught to do makeup and that's how I always have looked at someone's face, you know, how what I should do and where I should highlight and all of that stuff. So yeah. it's interesting how the two things are really trying to achieve the same thing. So you analysing Jake and I at the moment, thinking yeah. of all the wonderful <laughs> no, things I'm that not, you could actually. do. <laughs> if I had blusher. my makeup here and I was about to do makeup, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so um, can you first explain, I mean, you, you've basically touched on the goals of makeup, but what are the individual products that you are using, with, be it foundation, blusher, eyeliner? Can you just run through the common things, the commonly your tools? Used? Yeah. I think the most commonly used would probably be some sort of foundation. People like to use that, obviously, to create a flawless base to hide imperfections. Um, I never, ever do makeup without using blush. I just feel like that gives your face, once you've created this flawless one-colour base, Mm -hmm. without it, the face can look a little bit flat. So always add a little bit of colour just to give the face a bit of warmth and shape. That would tend to be across the cheek. Cheekbones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and mascara always, it just opens your eyes up, makes your lashes look longer and it's very feminine. It adds a real feminine touch to your face. Uh, it wasn't always the case, but brow products are really big now. Mm. It's all about having perfect brows. Um, so definitely brows are up there and in every makeup that I do, I will do something to the brows. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then after that, I guess, here in Australia, girls love a bit of bronzer. Bronzer gives them that bit of shape firstly, but also the colour, a bit yes. of a colour. So I'd say they're the most popular things. Um, yeah. Okay. What about, um, I was asking my wife, so this I don't know this myself, but she was saying that there's now a concept of using a, is it a primer under the foundation? Yeah. What's that for? Well... Whether you need a specific primer or not is questionable. Okay. If you've got a good moisturiser with a sunscreen in it that doesn't affect how your makeup looks or feels on your skin, mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily need a primer. Yeah. But primers are that product that can be substituted. Uh, they can substitute a moisturiser, a sunscreen, mm-hmm. and they're also designed to make your makeup glide on and last longer. Okay. So I think women can get a little bit overwhelmed sometimes when they're told you need moisturiser, you need sunscreen, then you need a primer, then you need a foundation. It's too much. Like mm. who has who has time it's for confusing. that? confusing. I mean, I walk into my bathroom and look at the products that my girlfriend uses and I just get a headache looking at <laughs> all the different things. How do you remember all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So that's what primers are and they can be really good if you get one, but I think sometimes you don't necessarily need them. Yeah. But if you do get a good one, they, they're great. I mean, joking aside, you know, I see a lot of obviously women on my treatment bed and a lot of them don't wear makeup. They're, mm. they're just as confused as, as I would be. Mm. They weren't brought up mm. wearing it. Their mum didn't wear it or, you know, they're an industry where, you know, they've just got to be super clean or, or whatever. And mm. I don't know, it's just not on some people's it's really, radar. It's really interesting for me because 
when I first got this audience of people watching what I was doing and I was going to be showing them something, it's kind of confusing to know what they want to see. So for me, all the basic stuff, I just everyone knows that, we do a bit more fancy stuff. But when I ask people and I ask, like put a poll out there what people want to see, it's always really basic stuff and it blows me away every time. How do I apply blush? How do I use lip liner? How do I apply foundation? Like that's it because I've been doing it and I'm so in this world, all that stuff I don't even think about. Yes. But I think that's what the, that's the vibe that I get from the people that follow me is that they just want to know how to do basic stuff. Yeah. Well, how did you train then? How did I train? Yeah. I went to a makeup college for a year and did that and then just straight out of that I got a job overseas and started working overseas and I assisted a few people and, yeah, makeup's one of those things you don't actually even need to do a course. A lot of people are self-taught. It's kind of a bit of an art. There's not really right. any rules. For me, I found the course was good because it gives you those initial basics, mm. um, the foundations of how to start. But yeah, it's there's no rules really. Gosh, what would we have done before the internet and YouTube? Yeah, people, I know. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. You take it for granted now. You just want to, I want to know how to do this. You mm. just, someone's filmed it and recorded it somewhere at some Funny point. Funny though how much, you know, people take that so seriously because sometimes... I will do things that aren't necessarily – so on YouTube there's kind of the big YouTubers and they all sort of copy each other in a way mm. or are influenced by each other in a way and they've developed their way of doing makeup. Mm. And then if I ever do something and it's different to the YouTuber's way of doing something, so many people are like, that's not how you do it. You're supposed to pl- apply that before that. Mm. But actually there's no rule. You can do whatever you want. It's like art. Isn't as it? long as it looks good and yeah. feels good for whoever's wearing it, there is no rules. You can – put anything anywhere. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I'm curious as to where makeup started from. I mean, what's the the history? Have uh, people been wearing makeup forever? Has it always been uh, something that women primarily do? Because if you look at no. a lot of old photos. It's men. Like, yeah, right. Okay. So The men you, used to wear it first. So, when, so maybe can you take us through a little bit of the history of it and when it became the... Well, I can't give you specifics, okay. but I know, the, maybe, I know yeah. the Egyptians used to wear okay. makeup. I know in um, English and European <laughs> history, the men wore makeup. Um, I do know that the white faces, you know, you see yeah. the white faces and yeah. the white wigs that the men used to wear, that was made from some sort of pigeon poo that oh, <laughs> they used to put on their hygienic. face. Yeah. And then I think around the time of Queen Elizabeth, they were using lead-based colours. Remember she got all those, mm. uh, there's a famous story that oh, she yeah. got all these problems from using lead based makeup. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, I mean, even back tribal times, mm. there was always some sort of yeah. paint, which I guess is different to makeup, but yeah, in the same you see category. it used in ceremonies now, like in Africa and things like that. Yeah. You, yeah. And, and when did it become something that was so taboo for men? I guess to be more specific, I guess, straight men would, you, I guess it seems to be something that like, I probably wouldn't do Jake. I don't know what you do on the weekends, no, but you know, I haven't dabbled. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess that would be in the last couple of centuries that it's not really a done thing in the right. in the Western world. But I think even now there's so many. I remember maybe 15 years ago, my husband using my moisturizer and mm. him being like, "Don't tell any of my mates that yeah. I use your moisturizer." But now there's no shame in it at no, all. It's metro, Every it's man, metro, yeah. Metro to the max. There's men's hair care ranges, men's skincare ranges. There's men's makeup products. But you know? it's had to be branded to make it appealing to the men, hasn't it? it yeah. You know, you wouldn't buy it at the Chanel, yeah. uh, sort of counter in David Jones. Yeah. You'd probably 
I don't know. You go to the man cave or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of had to be rejigged a bit to become sexy for a man to to look after his skin. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask is, you know, going on with the whole shop uh, makeup stands, there's thousands of, of products and brands, whole floors dedicated to makeup. Is there any um, weight on how expensive the makeup is as to how good it is? Or can you get by on cheap and cheerful? No, you can definitely get by on cheap cheap and cheerful. I'm not going to say every cheap brand is good, but there are definitely some cheaper brands that are good. Um, it's, It's really different brand to brand, but I wouldn't even say that all of the expensive brands are really good because there are definitely some that I don't particularly like. Sure. But with any makeup brand, uh, people always say to me, what brand makeup to use? As if I just choose one brand and use the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's not like that. Yeah. I don't just love one range. I love bits and pieces from every every range. And it's I don't think it's ever happened that I've some there's been a brand and I love every product. There's always something that I'm not really a fan of. Okay. And what is it that makes a product good versus bad? Uh, well, when it comes to foundation, it's definitely how it wears, how it feels and how it applies on your skin. Um, you want it to look as much like your skin as possible. And then there's some that are quite obvious, like a thick layer sitting on your skin. It's different for every person as well, what they, what they want out of it. But I guess a big part of good makeup products is the texture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you get a pencil, a lip liner, an eyeliner, whatever, they might be a beautiful brand, but they're so hard and the Colour isn't very, you have to push really hard and the colour's not really uh, very vivid. So with things like that, I'm quite fussy. I, know I need pencils that are really soft and it's the pigment as well. It's a whole range of things that all needs to come together. The fragrance, the texture, how it looks, how it feels is really important. If you have a lipstick that looks great but feels like your lips are really dry, then that's awful and that happens quite a lot. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And would you find that different products, I know you're saying there's uh, what is good for one person may not be good for another person. Mm. Would you find that that would vary depending on, I guess, the ethnicity, so skin colour of someone, their age? Because obviously as we age, our skin gets thinner, it loses elasticity, so application might become different. different Yeah, it can. A lot of the time it's your skin type. Uh, But what I'm finding now is a lot of brands seem to cater for the different ages especially they will have a foundation that is for oily skin one that's for dry skin you just need to that's why I think sometimes online shopping for makeup can be hard for those kind of products because they're things that you really need to have your color match perfectly and you need it's not just your color you need to get the one for the right skin type if I was to buy the one for oily skin that is quite dry I would hate it and then I'd get the impression I hate that foundation but it's just that I've picked the wrong one for myself. Can't tell from a photo what it's going to feel like. Yeah yeah. Yeah fair enough. Um, You know I guess we commonly see people caked on on with makeup or just looking a bit done. Is that just like a fashion issue or is is that an application issue? It can be either. So I think at the moment we're sort of coming off the back of a Kardashian-inspired trend where it was full-on makeup. And I, it was very fashionable to go just really heavy on mm. everything. And that's because in photos 
that looks amazing. On social media, it looks amazing. In real life, it looks like you're wearing a mask of makeup. Yeah. It's re- yeah. They're the ones that you would see girls walking by and going, whoa, they've got so much makeup on. Photos, they look amazing. And I know this because I do tutorials myself quite often. And even when I feel like, I, I promise that I'll only do things that I would wear out of the house. And I know a lot of these YouTubers, they do these videos and the makeup looks incredible. Mm. But they wouldn't walk. They wouldn't walk outside with that on because it is so full on. Yep. The camera tends to take a lot of makeup off, and so even when I feel like I've got a really heavy, full face of makeup for me, it actually looks kind of semi-natural on camera. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I was going to say that might not necessarily be to do with that is to do with the application. If you pick a foundation that is the wrong type for you mm. or the wrong color, so I can be wearing a foundation that's the right colour for me, put it on and it looks just like my flawless skin. But if I get a couple of shades darker or a couple of shades lighter, that's when it becomes really obvious. And I find that a lot of girls are guilty of doing this because they want to be a little bit browner or look like they're a bit more tanned. They'll pick a foundation a few shades darker than their natural skin tone. And that is when, even if they've got a light layer on and you've got this dark foundation, it looks really heavy. But if you pick a foundation that's exactly your skin type and make yourself look more tanned by using fake tan or a bit of bronzer over the top, it seems to look a bit more natural. But um, to do with the trend, I think that that's actually being phased out a little bit now. I feel like this year especially the trend is becoming more the less is more type mm. well, It's type interesting look. how that ties in with injectables because, I mean, you know, when anti-wrinkle injections first came out, the, the look well, the only look was frozen mm. and, and, and stiff mm. and quite unnatural. Mm. Same for, you know, fillers and lips, you know, a, just a year or two ago with Kylie Jenner, quite overly projected, voluminous lips. Now we're sort of, you know, most people would want a more refined, mm. natural look. Mm. So, you know, it's interesting that trend of, you know, even if you know nothing about makeup, you can spot someone who's very heavily caked mm. in makeup and the, the more subtle they just look good. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that the, the the trends that I imagine with the full face of makeup always came with the really big lips or the really full cheeks, you know. I think that those trends were, yeah, they kind of went hand in hand on your end and then the makeup end. Yeah. From a male perspective, the things that I notice in relation to makeup that make it obvious that it was either maybe done badly or they've used the wrong product is, um, one, it tends to make the fine lines more apparent like, mm-hmm. so it seems to settle in, especially around the crow's feet, um, and it makes them look older. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the demarcation between, like, the face and the neck or the hands. you like, got white hands, but your face looks <laughs> yeah. dark. And yeah. it's like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. what's happening? A lot of the time that can be the choosing of the wrong variety of right. makeup as well. If you've picked something that's too dry for your skin, it will, like, it will accentuate every fine line, every pore uh traditional like pressed powders and things like that if people put them you know do you know the baking trend that was a big youtube thing so it was basically applying your foundation and it was called baking so you packed on powder so it looked very powdery and then left it for a while so the foundation soaked up the powder and then just dusted the excess off Mm. that would make your skin if you had dry skin already that would really make your skin feel dry and accentuate fine lines. So anything dry or powdery can tend to do that. Okay. And then the demarcation where you've got those just those wildly You mean like on the jawline it's sort of tanned we, and then a white neck. Yeah, and the hands. The <laughs> yeah. hands, yeah, it's just the choice of the wrong colour, isn't right, it? Right, okay. They are I 
I would say you should either fake tan first so your whole body right. is darker and then put the foundation on or pick a foundation that's the right colour for you and use a little bit of bronzer down your neck and mm. your Right, okay. I mean, I don't think we actually anticipated fake tanning in our questions, mm-hmm. but yeah. can you just broadly give us the, the types of, of how that's applied? Obviously, you could do it at home or, you know, like a booth. Yeah. W- what are the pros and cons? Uh, you don't see as many of the orange hands as you used to. There's some, to I don't know. <laughs> I think everyone's gotten really good at it. It uh, used to be... Yeah. It, it used to be... Um, common to see marks and things but I think now all the spray tanning places the only ones that have stayed in business are the ones that do really good tans and if you go to a spray tanning place now especially around here they are so careful with everything like Mm. they get little sponges out and make sure it's all blended around your hands and make sure you've got things that you put on your feet so your feet the soles of your feet don't turn orange and they powder you down at the end like they're really careful of how they do it just not like just not like just a I have before not just like in a um a car boot a car spray booth where it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you get away with that I want to know the story what, why did you do it and where did you do it so I, oh god it was a few years ago uh, it was a place in Surrey Hills okay I, I can't even remember what and the motivation good was or curiosity like uh, I don't I can't remember I, can't, I, I remember enough to know that I didn't do it again. <laughs> For, and how did they sort of blend it into the hairline? Like, how does it? Well, work? I had. I, are you just drawing attention to the fact no, that, no, that no, I had hair then? Maybe no, no, no. I, I'm genuinely curious because if you go in a booth with, it's like a no, it wasn't a like booth. A car actually, wash. It was actually someone who did it. Right? Yeah, no, it's a person that sprays it with, uh-huh. with an airbrush. I just remember an episode of Friends where Ross keeps on screwing <laughs> it up and getting more on his face and nothing his back. No, you just stand there. Yeah, you stand there. Sexy like paper undies, and they just. To spray you like you're a car. Well, okay. That was about 10 years ago, so it's been a while. It's still done the same. They just use a handheld airbrushing machine. Okay. But, um, it's pr- I mean, I train at the gym quite frequently and you'll see guys and girls that will change colour from one end of the week to the other. Yeah. Um, well, and that, I don't know how to put it. I, I could understand it if you're... It's your wedding or, or it's the most photographed day of your life and you've got to look, you know, less pasty. I get that. But to alternate from so many shades like week to week. I find that odd. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. There are a lot of people that go religiously every week. And so get they a, never change. Get a spray tan. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, what, what about the ones that you can do at home? Are they effective and, and can yeah, they look natural? Yeah, and that's they've come a long way as well. Yeah, they can look so natural. There's so many good products and there's so many good application tools as well. So thing that used to happen for fairer skin people, you'd put your fake tan on. You can't reach the middle of your back, so you'd get a you'd have a, a light patch in the middle of your back. <laughs> There's so many ways. A good hack of mine that I love doing is on your face because usually you've got a mitt on so mm. you apply it with a mitt and it's really big and bulky to apply on your face. It doesn't do it very well. So you know the beauty blender sponges? You use, of course, yes. You yes. know those, the little <laughs> teardrop-shaped sponges. You use that to apply your fake tan to your face and it's flawless. Okay. And what? So you don't. You obviously don't do your spray gun at home. Otherwise, you get it all over the wall. Do people do it at home? The spray people gun. People do have do it at um, like DIY spray guns with the pop up tents. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Just go down to Bunnings, get a tent. I think it'd be, <laughs> be awkward though spraying yourself. How do you? It do might be. Back? Yeah. You'd you have to have someone your, there like to it. spray you back. Interesting. Mm. Okay. And, and in terms of um, the waiting period, I remember that you couldn't touch anything. You couldn't come into contact with dust or people. Do you or know anything. what? That was <laughs> the biggest turn off for me with yeah. spray tans. You had to wait eight hours in this goo. You felt so sticky and gooey, but now two hours and you oh, can right. wash it off. So and also you used to look darker initially. You looked like a chocolate eclair until yeah, you had the initial They're not like rinse. that. Two hours, you wash them off, 
And initially you don't look that much browner, but then it, it still keeps developing even though you've washed the solution off. How does that actually work? Is it a chemical process? So, yeah, it's, not, so yeah. it's not actually a paint. It's actually a chemical reaction that happens in the skin. Is that, is that there's, what's there's going two, on? Yes. There's two types of tan. There's dye tans and the tan with the tanning chemical in it. Most of them have a bit of both. So the brown colour that you see sprayed on is the dye or the colour in it. And then they've also got the chemical in it. So usually the dye in a spray on tan that you go and get at a salon is just a guide for the people applying it so they can see where they've got that they've they've got everywhere. Um, But in the at-home ones, they can be more dye tan or they can be more of the chemical that actually develops the colour. And I find with the dye tans, you look so chocolatey when you first put it on, even when you first wash it off, but within a day or two it's gone. Mm-hmm. So that's why I actually like when you get a clear fake tan or you get a um, lotion that's just a white lotion because you know it's not a dye. It's, it's going to actually it's going to actually develop into a colour that lasts a lot longer. Mm. Okay. Okay. And I guess uh, just covering off the gym thing a little bit more. So I see a lot of I haven't noticed men wearing makeup at the gym, but women training in full face of makeup. Yeah. Is that just an eastern suburbs thing or is that something that's... No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm in the eastern suburbs work? bubble sweating? now, but I am from Newcastle originally. Okay. And I've always put a little bit of something on my skin just because that's what I do every okay. day and I like, I like it. But yes, it does block your pores and cause congestion. Okay. Um, a lot of foundations, I find that the best one is a mineral foundation because mineral can't be absorbed into your skin and it actually helps to absorb the the sweat and it disperses it evenly across your face. So instead of just being super shiny down the middle, it kind of holds it really well. And usually right. mineral makeups are semi-waterproof or water-resistant okay. as well. So if you're going to exercise in makeup, I would say have a mineral foundation specifically for that because otherwise it does it can cause congestion and blockages. Can you just clarify what a mineral makeup is versus whatever the other types are? Well, a good mineral makeup is a natural product. So it should only have two or three ingredients, Mm -hmm. which are usually zinc oxide, titanium dioxide and mica powder. So they're naturally found minerals in the earth. Sure. And they're ground up and uh, the purest ones are in a powder. So I think that they are really, and they'd be good for uh, people that you guys deal with because after skin treatments or anything where your skin's a little bit raw, they're pretty much the only thing that you should use. That's right, yeah. Um, But mineral makeup is so underrated, honestly. I think that the thing that scared people when it first came out was that it was in a powder form. Mm. And like I said, traditional powders are very drying on your skin and can make accentuate all those fine lines and pores and everything. And everyone went, oh, I'm not using a powder. But the difference with the mineral powder is when you first put it on, it can look slightly dry, but it really settles into your skin. It soaks up all the natural oils from your skin and they actually look quite dewy. Mm. They last better than any other foundation I've seen because of that, because they absorb those natural oils. I've worn mineral makeup on 40 degree days and at the end of the day, my makeup still looks perfect. They don't clog your skin. They've got natural sun protective qualities in them and they're natural. I really... I really rate mineral products. So why would you use a non-mineral if they're the best? Why would you not use them all the time? Because people are just a bit apprehensive about using the powder. That's my okay. my thoughts on it. Um, mineral makeup usually doesn't have as good colour ranges as well. Mm. Um, and the whole powder thing, you usually use a little kabuki brush, the short fat brushes, to apply it. It is a lot more messy in your bathroom. You do get little bits of powder on the bench and have to clean it down all the time. But... 
even if you were to wear a normal foundation most of the time, but then when you exercise, put on a mineral foundation, or if you're going out to the beach, put on a mineral foundation because it's really good sun protection. Mm. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask um, that we sort of skipped a step is we were saying that sometimes makeup doesn't look quite right, whether it's you've got dry skin or, or wrinkles or flaky skin. How should you prep your skin prior to to makeup and also I guess tanning mm. you know you're told to exfoliate before a tan aren't you yeah so do you have any tips for how to get that you know you're I mean there's so many thousands of products and we I think we spoke e- about exfoliation it is really good for the way your makeup looks I think once you've done a good exfoliation at home and then apply your makeup your pores are a lot less visible. Mm. Everything's a bit smoother. Um, there's no dry skin for your makeup to kind of get caught on. It glides on a lot, a lot better. Um, and as well, as we sort of touched on before, the primer or the or the moisturizer that you put on before. So you should make sure your skin is really hydrated, especially around the eye area. Yeah. But if you do suffer from oily skin. I wouldn't use anything too hydrating. I'd use something more with a matte finish or sure oil okay. protection qualities. Um, contouring. Yes. What? What? That's the buzzword. Is this? Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, I know what it is, but yeah. it seems to be like a new thing that presumably we've been doing for thousands of years with makeup. Mm. Why, why is it so trendy and cool now? Uh, again, it's one of those YouTube trends that kind of blew up, but it has been around forever. When I studied makeup, you learn how to contour, but you were taught to do it to correct things or to make someone's face look slimmer or nose look straighter. Hmm. But then a couple of years ago, it just became a big thing that everyone needed to contour. Um, I don't think, I've always done a form of contouring and that's just with my bronzer. Your bronzer is a type of contouring. I don't think it's necessary to contour unless you really have something you want to feature or correct or make Mm. your cheeks look more hollow or your jawline look a bit slimmer. Contouring is great for those things, but I don't think it's essential. Okay. So it's creating highlights and shadows to to make something look stronger or or darker, I guess, hide it. And I don't that what I'm what I don't think is essential is actually having a specific contouring product. If you're using blush and bronzer, they're kind of doing that kind of contouring and shaping anyway. So Yeah. yeah. How do you approach, you know, let's say you're, you're asked to, to, to do something before they go on stage or something. How are you assessing a face? Are you looking at like obviously skin color and oiliness and face shape and like what, what are the things you're going through? Well, initially when I'm choosing a foundation, I don't, if it's just for someone to go on stage or on t- camera, in front of a camera, I don't. Re- it doesn't really matter about whether their skin's oily or dry or anything. You just do what's going to look good at the time because it doesn't sure. need to last them all day. It needs yeah. to last in the then and now. Um, but otherwise, I, the eyes are a big thing for me. They're probably the first thing I look at, what I want to do and how I'm not going to make them look smaller. I'm going to make them look more open and more, you know, yeah. define them because eyes are something that are really different from every person that you go to. Some people have heavy eyelids, some people have really hollow eyes, some people have smaller, some people have larger and things that you put on your eyes really affect that. If you put a heavy eyeliner on someone with the smaller eyes, it automatically makes them look smaller or if you put the wrong type of eyeshadow on someone with a heavy eyelid. So they're probably the, the part of the face I pay the most attention to. Mm. And then as I'm going, doing the foundation, I'll have a look at where I want to highlight. And I, I, I basically highlight on everyone. I always give everyone a little bit of highlight on their cheekbones just to make them pop a little bit. Mm-hmm. But contouring, I will just, yeah, assess each individual face shape. Yeah. 
and see what I think they need. So, for example, if someone is a little rounder or, or bigger, contouring might give them that thinner, sleeker look? Yeah, just a little bit more of a hollowing of the cheeks and a bit, of, bit more of a chiselled look. And how would you approach, say, a male face versus a female face? Were you trying to do different things or it's the same approach? Just Generally, it depends what I'm doing it for, but generally men that I've worked with that are models or going on TV, it's they look better with not a lot. You just even out their skin tone. You just mat down the centre of their face a little bit, brush their eyebrows into place. I don't think, or maybe add a little bit of bronzer for a bit of colour, but I don't think that I necessarily spend time, okay. yeah, not shaping their face too much or anything. I think with men it is that less is more looks better. Mm. Speaking of TV, with all of the amazing cameras and TVs that we have now, like HD, is that did that make a difference to the way you approach things where you could see every everything? It probably you? did for some people, yeah. but a, a lot of the stuff that I do is beauty editorial, so that's right. always very, very tight shots, so very close up. Yep. So I've always had to be fussy with even every single eyelash, you right. know, because wow. every detail is caught on that kind of thing and and, and it's skin even at that. It's got to be flawless. At that level, it's got to be full. If there's powdered stuck in some dry skin somewhere, you can see it. So I've always had to pay really close attention to detail. But I think, yes, with people that only do television stuff where they're doing presenters or anything that would definitely affect how they um, apply things to their skin and how Mm. much they apply Mm. i know we sort of touched it before with men and makeup but why do you think it's so taboo and can you see an angle in 10 15 years time where we will be wearing makeup like what what's driving it being so like oh god not me you know yeah, I don't know. I definitely think in the future it will be more um, acceptable, but I, I don't know. Is it just our is this Australian macho blokey? Would you find it weird if your husband started wearing makeup? Um, look, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I shouldn't embarrass him, but like he has put concealer on a zip before, you right, know, okay. well, that sure kind of that thing. Right. Yeah. But f- yes, I. I don't know. I'd have spot. to see Sorry what it looked like. No, <laughs> I'd have to see what he looked like. If it looked really like made up, I probably would think that was. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, not so much that men don't want it, but maybe women don't want it either. Yeah, I don't know. It's a cultural thing. It's tough for a man. And what can you do to make? What can a man do to make himself look better? I mean, well, he's got hair. Well, um, well, beard, this is <laughs> well, this is what I'm getting. At. I mean, from an injectables perspective. Men, by and large, want to look more masculine. Yep. So we would work on making their face broader, their chin more dominant, their jawline squared off and, and more square with their cheeks. Uh, we would, If we were going to do their cheek, we would make them stronger at the front rather than the side, whereas a woman you would want to go higher towards the hairline. Mm. It's okay for a man to have some lines and wrinkles, whereas women tend to want to be more flawless. Um, the shape of the eyebrow and, and the height of the eyebrows, you know, for a guy, it's okay to be lower, whereas a woman wants a nice arched mm-hmm. eyebrow. So can you, I'm just wondering whether you could do that with makeup rather than injectables. I don't think there's a good way to make someone's face wider in areas. You're going to be using something. The best way to make things look wider is by highlighting them something that sort of really reflects light. So I think, I feel like that would be quite obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It seems harder in a man. Mm. Yeah. You're almost having to 
add volume. Do you know what? I just don't think we're, I think just be happy. You get up in the morning and you do your hair and you walk out the door. You're although, so lucky. Although more and more men, I mean, I see it in my clinics, more and more men are coming in for cosmetic injectables. Who, yeah. And that's just, it seems to be more normal, I think. So definitely, I mean, you... We're both users yeah. of injectables. Yep. We're quite yeah. happy to, to talk about that. I mean, I think the first thing I did was anti-wrinkle treatments on myself because I was training and I just volunteered. I put my hand up and said, well, sure, do me. Yeah. Um, and it's something I've done ever since because, you know, when the strong forehead lines come back, it's so obvious. And, and I guess coming back to what you said about skin, when you see something that changes texturally, it just jumps out at you. Mm. So if you can make that look softer or, or less obvious mm. then you just look better yeah. or, or more refreshed i'm not necessarily trying to look younger just I good for me injectables for men are already way more acceptable than a man wearing makeup yeah. correct and that's kind of what i'm getting at which is Why weird is because injectables has been for like like i remember like i've got clinics in canberra and it's been different watching because canberra's a little bit um more conservative or behind i guess mm. say sydney for example and what's like, it's just been taboo. Like, you know, no one would come in there, you know, pay cash and whatever. Not, no one wants to, no, they want to hide it from their husbands or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's weird that, so men find it more socially acceptable to get injectables, but historically, injectables as a whole have been really taboo. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from your followers, um, from the Oz Beauty Expert, do you have any concept of how many of them are also doing injectables alongside, you know, makeup and fashion? I think there's a mixture of both, but I think that there are definitely a lot that are either doing it or are interested in it because mm. whenever I post something about it, there's a lot of interest and a lot of questions, but there's there are always the people that are like, I'm going to grow old gracefully and not do anything. Like, what do you suggest for me to do? Um, so it's a mix, but I think now oh, definitely you know, I, I know there's a strong interest and it's one of those things that not a lot of people will say, but they'll send questions or, you know, there's yeah they, they are interested in or, or I can see that the views are really high, people are watching, but no one's saying anything. I'm trying to understand the taboo with women. I mean, many of my clients, uh, you know, they don't tell their friends, they don't tell their husband, like David said, they're paying cash. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. I respect everyone's confidentiality and privacy, but I just want to understand why it's so... Uh, I know with not telling their husbands, though, you know why that is. Well, financial reasons. No, I don't think it's any of that. I think that that's what people think, but I think that it's hu their husbands. You walk down the street and you probably pass lots of people who've had stuff done, but the only ones he's going to notice are, are the, the ones, ones with the huge lips and the, hu you know, ones that look really fake. Ones, yeah. And so to the men, they're the ones they know, they'll be like, ugh. I don't want my wife to look like that. And when you say you're going to do it, they just think, oh, she's going to end up looking like that. Mm. I know with my husband that's 100% all he cared about. It wasn't the money. And you think of a lot of the women that you know that get it done, their husbands aren't worried about money. They've got careers and all of mm. this stuff. It's Their husbands yeah. don't want them to end up looking Freaky. overdone. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. The stuff that drives me a little bit nuts is the people that claim to be completely natural and then – give, I guess, especially in this world of social media where everyone's putting their best face forward or best body forward or whatever, and they're claiming to be something that they're not. And then I guess influencing a whole generation of people that think that that's achievable naturally and why there's something wrong with me because I don't look like that naturally. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't know, do you see much of that or what are your yes, thoughts on Yes. And it's a little bit, it's sad because then it's, well, firstly, giving people unrealistic goals of what they should look like when they're 50 or 40 or mm. whenever. And then I also see online people commenting, oh, why would you need this? What about 
so-and-so, like I'm thinking of one big celebrity at the moment who I would guarantee has had heaps, looks amazing but so natural but it's just because they haven't gone overboard on any, on anything, no one think everyone thinks they're obvious. natural. Yeah. yeah, so I've seen comments where people are like, well, what about her? She's completely natural and she looks amazing, like the best-looking woman I've ever seen that looks that age. I just think, oh, my God, I you don't realise everyone is doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to, to judge and pass comment and almost uh, troll on social media. It's, it just brings out the worst in people mm. and I don't think people mm. really want to actually educate themselves. They're just happy to throw out judgy comments without mm. really Do you doing... think, though, no, it's... I don't know. I think sometimes that a lot of women that pass comment that haven't had anything done, maybe they don't have the means to do it. I haven't had the opportunity and they're the first ones to say something. But if someone said, came and said to them, can I give you a makeover? You're going to look completely natural, but you're going to feel fantastic. Like, I think it, they'd do it. It might sound a bit cliched, but I've, I am noticing a trend where the people, you know, the, the classic Eastern suburb, you know, woman who does yoga, eats organic, blah, 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 gluten-free. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, these will be the people who will push the natural agenda, which is fine. Yeah. Everyone's got their own opinion. I've got no problem with that. But then I also see these people succumbing to looking older than they would like and sneaking in to see people like myself and almost begrudgingly admitting I need help. I'm seeing more and more of those types of people. I know so many of them. I just, I tell, I've got some friends that are these these people exactly and I just say you're a contradiction. It's all yeah. about natural health, natural products, natural everything, but then injectables, their boobs done, I'm like doesn't really yeah and it doesn't matter it's okay to just look good but eat well and do both yeah it's, it's fine yeah, it, yeah. i don't think that you should have to take a side yeah in my opinion yeah well just we, let I'm, everyone do whatever they want to feel good well we all do You're things a, to look better i mean going to the gym and doing weights and you know hours of cardio i mean that's probably not you're a vegan who does fillers <laughs> I'm not you're one of the new vegan. breed i'm not 100% <laughs> vegan but yeah um, yeah, it's just interesting that there's, again, people will do things that are not normal human behaviours to look better. Like yeah. we don't get up with beautifully done hair or, you know, my head isn't shaved clean every morning naturally. I don't, we all do, we wear nice clothes, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. what's, what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah, yeah that's it's right. All, we all want to look better. If we're all looking at our natural state, we'd all be hairy, fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it? Can I ask, Bonnie, I know we've discussed this before, but you're open to talking about the small amounts of procedures that you've had yep what was your initial goal that you know maybe you wanted to achieve that you weren't doing through makeup or you know natural means first thing was I started getting a frown line that used to go I'd be there when I frowned and then when I wasn't frowning it was gone but then it stayed sure and that was the thing that mm. bothered me and it's funny I was talking to someone about this the other day because they they asked what was the first thing I my first post ever and in 2011, I went back and the first blog post was discussing whether or not I should have injectables or not. And that I was all for, you know, gr growing old gracefully and everything, but this was annoying me. Do I want to look good or do I want to be completely natural? Obviously looking good one yeah. in the end. Yeah. And that was the first thing that I did. And then for uh, a few years, because I was, th I think I was 29 then, what was I? Late 20s anyway. Um and that was all I did for the first few years. Yeah. Um, and then I eventually got my lips done just a little bit. I think that was the thing that took me the longest to do because I always wanted them to be a little bit fuller. But lips are, lips are the one thing. I think you can do a lot to your face without it being 
obvious, but as soon as someone's done something drastic to their lips, it's really, well, not even drastic, even just, it's really obvious. Every first time lip filler client that comes to any injector is in this terrified panic of, I want a nice lip, but I don't want to look done. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to go slowly, I think, with with a first time lip. So I've done uh, my lips quite a few times, (laughs) but I haven't done it for probably... I haven't done anything for a while. I feel like I'm back to scratch at the moment. I really need to go. I'm actually going next week. Sure. But, um, yeah, I do that. And I think at first when I started getting my lips done, I would swell up. So I must be a swelly person because it would last me. I remember I said this to you. I felt like I'd get it done and I'd be swollen for two weeks mm-hmm. and then I'd look good for two weeks and then it was gone. I sure. don't know why. I was just metabolising it really quickly. I mean, you know, you will get some people who respond you know, slightly longer than than the average. I guess most lip fillers, David, you'd probably agree, two or three days of looking a bit more done than you'd like and then mm. sort of settles yeah. into a more natural-looking uh, result, I guess. Yeah. Um, it does depend on the product, what type of filler. Mm. I think I've done your lips once before a while ago and yeah. we used a very small amount of a more natural-looking product. Even then, I remember, I was like, no, I don't want you to do it there, I don't want you to put any there, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I was on high alert to, to not ruin the, the Oz Beauty Expert. <laughs> yeah. So just getting back to makeup, um, we took a little bit of a detour down there, down Injectables Lane, but, I mean, in terms of um, when I one of the first things I mentioned when you walked in was noticing that you'd matched your eye, is that called eyeshadow? Yes. Goes there? yes. Uh, with the colour of your top. So obviously you're using makeup to match your natural skin color and your features. So I'm also noticing, well, notice today that people are matching it also to like items of clothing, a handbag, a pair of shoes. Like yeah. how does that all work? Is that like a common, is that a new thing? Or? No. Do you know what? I did, it was kind of unintentional with my top and my face today, but there's a, a trend at the moment, which is monotone makeup. So right. you do the same on your cheeks, the same on same color in your cheeks and your eyes and a similar color on your lips, which is right. what I did today. I actually used the same blush color on my eyes. Right. So it's the same product. Okay. But yeah, that's really popular with like all different colors, like a sort of really soft torpy browns with really bright oranges and pinks. And then I ended up putting a pink top on too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so that was subconscious or you made that? Yeah, no, decision. I didn't make that decision. That was subconscious. Wow. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. And do you find that it differs from season to season? So in terms of say... Um, summer versus winter, there'll be different colours that will obviously, as us for fairer skin people, I guess your skin changes colour a little bit more. But yeah, um, is there differences seasonally? Yes, yeah, there is. So winter, a lot of darker colours come in, like your darker lips. Um, and then in summer, there was lots of corals and peaches and things like that. And it also does change with fashion trends as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. And do you notice differences culturally from country to country or region to region? Or Yes, there's huge differences, uh, especially between Asia and here right. with the skin makeup and everything. Yeah. Um, they want to make themselves whiter. They want to make themselves really fair, like dull yeah, male right. skin, um, which is the ideal of beauty over there. So we mm. have very different – we all want – Australians anyway want to, want to be tanned. Um, and I do notice in America they are – I think here we're a lot more uh, that beachy kind of undone beauty, but you go to America and everyone's very done up. Everyone, I mean, not everyone, but you go to a beauty event anyway in America that I go to a lot and all the girls are dressed to the nines, huge heels, full makeup, like they're very into the long hair extensions. And then you go to a beauty event here and there's girls in cut-off denim shorts and, (laughs) you know, really beachy hair and, but of course, there's the girls here too that love lots of makeup. So, mm. yeah. 
Um, you very briefly touched on it earlier about um, foundation clogging the pores. How does how do people suffering with acne sort of can be struggle because it can really exacerbate uh, their skin, their, their acne. So they'd have to be really careful about what they were using. Uh, there are specific ranges designed for people that suffer from acne that don't clog their skin or exacerbate it. Mm. Um, yeah, men again, mineral would be a good one for that as well. Okay. Yeah, because you find that um, someone that has a breakup will then want to cover it. So they'll yeah. cover it. That, that covering clogs up the pores, which makes it worse. So you just get yeah. into this cycle of, oh, my God, it's, it's bad. I want to cover it. Oh, my God, it's getting worse. I need to cover it more. Then it just becomes, it just must be very, very yeah, it um, must, it must emotionally be draining to yeah. deal with that. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Taking a slight side angle, what are your favorite skin products? Like what are you, what's on your bathroom shelf? I love ultraceuticals. I love skinceuticals. People always get confused because I talk about the two a lot, but <laughs> they're really good. They ha- each have their own ones that I love. Uh, what else am I using? Cosmetics and Aspect. They have a lot that I, I like. Any particular products that you're sort of I love the cosmetics day? oil cleanser. Okay. I find that's really good at rem- removing all your makeup. Yeah. I love oil cleansers. Not all, of, not all oil cleansers work as well but that one's just a really beautiful one makes your skin feel amazing after you've used it and it just cuts through all your makeup so one wash I'm all about just washing your face once Mm -hmm. because a lot of cleansers won't remove everything and then you need to use another makeup remover after what what about micellar water is that similar yeah well micellar water is great if I'm going to have a shower I'll do a a cleanser but if I'm just I've been somewhere and want to take my makeup off Mm. I will use micellar water again Okay. Mm. Yeah, Skin Institute just released their own micellar water actually just recently. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Have you heard of a product called a face halo? Have you heard of this thing? Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because yeah, got, they're good. I've got other. What is it? It's, it's um, like a little. Looks like a loofah or something. It's a like microfiber a cloth. Yeah. Ah, so okay. I've had a few of those. So there was one called Makeup Eraser, which was the first one that I saw, which was in Sephora. And then there was also what's that brand? Santa by Enyo. They do one and Face Halo. I think they're all similar microfiber cloths that just with water, remove all your makeup. They're actually really good. They're yeah. actually really good. You don't need a product and the cloths themselves are antibacterial and everything. So hmm. they're, they're actually really good. Okay. Breakthrough makeup quite well. So what would be your like idiot's guide to applying good makeup? So if we've just got someone that's like tuned into the podcast and they just want to get to the section where they can go, right, what does Bonnie recommend I do to apply the right makeup for my skin, the right steps? How do I look natural? How do I look good? Like what's... The, Okay. (laughs) I think invest in a good at-home exfoliant, not necessarily with granules, something like an enzyme mask or use that once or or twice a fortnight because that is just going to make the skin underneath. The makeup looks so so much better. It's a little Um, bit like sanding down the wood. It is. It's it's just preparing your surface. Yeah, exactly. Less lumps and bumps and dry skin and things. Then with your foundation, if there's anything you should be fussy with, it's the foundation. That's the one thing. You can use any blush. You can use any eyeshadow. You need to get the right foundation for you. If it's worth, if anything's worth the trip to a cosmetics counter, it's your foundation. So and the one you use is? I'm using Guerlain, the new Le, Le Essential. Cool. But I usually have about three on the go. I've got a few. <laughs> <laughs> have a big bathroom. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, choosing the right foundation, obviously. Also, looking at checking that you've got a sunscreen in there for obvious reasons. Do you have sort of a, a minimum of twenty five or fifty or fifteen? Like, what do you tend to use? Because the 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 stronger the SPF, they tend to be thicker, and people 
they yeah. like how they feel. You know what I really love? There's a Bioderma product that you just get from Priceline and it's a BB cream. It's a very sheer coverage. You can wear it on on its own. It just looks like your skin, but it's 50 plus. Oh, wow. And it's a really nice lightweight texture. You can't even feel it's there. So so, on my days off or if I'm just out and about, I'll just wear that on its own. But if I've got something on for work and I put foundation on, I always put that on first because Mm -hmm. it gives you that 50 plus protection straight away. So it used to be a case of... 50 plus sunscreens really felt greasy and heavy under your makeup. They just didn't work well together. And then all the advice was that the 15 plus in your foundation wasn't good enough. Yes. But now there's so many good products that you can use with your makeup that are 50 plus. Okay. So we've got exfoliant. Exfoliate, foundation. uh, Sunscreen, yeah. Sunscreen, good brow products are really can change your life. Right. Um, (laughs) Maybe I need to. And I think to not be not going too overboard with your brows. There's some really good. Have you seen the really fine pencils, the fine tip pencils mm. that give give you the little hair strokes in there? And then I love a good bit of uh, clear brow gel just to brush it through, so it looks really natural. Can I ask you? This is totally off topic, and we'll come back to your products. I see so many eyebrows, obviously, in what I do, and I presume they're microbladed or yeah, tattooed. Yeah, they look. Weird. They're almost blue coloured. Oh, really? Or, or that might just, be some what, of the What is going colors. on? Well, it's the tattooing, but uh, I've seen some really good ones too. Okay. It's, uh, it must be the colour of the ink that they've used on their skin because okay. every every uh, technician that does the eyebrows would be different and using different products. So, so it's probably the tattoo pigment that's must maybe be. changed or yeah. a bit older. Yeah. Okay. I know because tattooing has been, eyebrow tattooing has been around for a long time and I think 25 years ago they used proper tattoo ink that has that kind of bluey tinge. Yeah. So I find a lot of people that have had them and they're more, they're per, they were permanent as well, whereas these ones are semi-permanent. Yes. Usually the ones they do now only last a couple of years. What are your thoughts on permanent makeup like uh, for around the lips or? I've never done it around, like I've never, I've done my eyebrows though. I've had them feather touch tattooed. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. It was really okay. good. All it did for me, it didn't change the shape of my eyebrows, but because I... Back in my heyday, my <laughs> I used to overplat. My eyebrows were so skinny, yes. and then trying to get them to grow back, they were patchy. So they just filled in all the patches, which was great. And it's such an interesting thing, you know. Women are happy to do a permanent tattoo on their face, semi-permanent. Sorry, tattoos. semi-permanent, but are scared of a temporary anti-wrinkle treatment. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And those people that do the um, feather tattooing. Like the ones that are well known are killing it, like making so much money because if you're going to get a tattoo on your face, you're going to make sure you go to the best person, right? So the ones <laughs> yeah. with the good reputation are just making, have amazing businesses. Amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I dragged you off point. So go back to your products. So you said eyebrow pencils. Yep, eyebrow pencils and eyebrow gel. I love a good mascara, which are hard to find. So There's what's a, a gel? million. Why, why would you use that? Um, well, they just kind of, it helps brush the product through so it doesn't look as obvious mm-hmm. and it also holds your eyebrows in place so they stay perfect all day. Okay. Um, I'm often wondering about my floaty eyebrows. Aren't you, I, need a, you need a whippersnipper on your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> whippersnipper. Is that one of those grass things? Yeah. Okay, that's the Aussie term <laughs> yeah, for yeah, a grass yeah, trimmer. Yeah, grass trimmer. Okay. I think a good bit of advice too is not picking a foundation that's too much coverage. Like if you don't need it, don't wear it. Like I see a lot of girls who have good skin, they don't need it and they've put a thick coverage foundation on and I, I just think that 
this is my opinion anyway, but what looks best is when it looks like your skin instead of that mask of makeup. Yes. Um, good mascara. There's hundreds of thousands of mascaras on the market, but not all of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, so do your research there. My favourites are Dior Show, MAC, Zoom Lash, which I'm not even sure if they make anymore, and Tarte and Too Faced. They're the best ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. It's interesting. One of the topics that we've been speaking about, particularly with plastic surgeons and talking on the surgical side of things, is body dysmorphia. And one of the th- – you just mentioned that people overwearing makeup. Do you think that there's an element of body dysmorphia when it comes to makeup? Like people who, for example – one day their husband sees them without makeup, they'll get up early in the morning, do their makeup and they'll hop yeah. back into bed. Yeah. Um, I've heard of things like that. Do you think that that's a real issue or people that used to have a skin concern? I see girls sometimes that wear so much makeup and then I, if I see them without the makeup. They look better without They look it. better. They look mm. so pretty. with the. Na- yeah, I, I don't know if that's what is behind it, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case. And, you know, girls that say, no, I need to wear this much, this heavy foundation because my skin's so bad. But the skin's not really that bad, so. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, so people wanted to learn how to apply their makeup properly. Mm. Um, I know you said a lot of it's self-taught. We've got YouTube. Where would you? So we've spoken about the got the the, the idiot's guide to what products that the must have the essentials. Yeah. What about learning basic technique? Where where do people go? Well, of, other than your Instagram and blog, like where? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all so, that and yeah. so online, obviously, and. There's lots of workshops and things now that you can go to, but even just uh, something like going into Sephora or Mecca or the cosmetics counter and having your makeup done, people can talk, if you're really new to it or you really don't know, having an actual consultant there talking you through what you're doing is like a one-on-one makeup lesson. Usually you just have to buy a product from them, which you probably would have anyway. Um, but that's I think that that's a good way to learn, a good way to have access. You can go anywhere, David Jones, Maya, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So how would people come to uh, your it's your website? That's your main way of advertising yourself or is it your Instagram? Um, both. Okay. And can our listeners maybe write emails to you or contact you directly or yeah, how would they yeah. get in touch? Yeah. And I do um, workshops as well. So I do do them in Sydney and Melbourne quite often Great. where they're actually – you know, 20, depending on what format we do them in. But the next ones that I'm doing are smaller groups and you actually sit at a makeup station of your own and apply it as I'm showing you how to do it. So it's re- I've done a lot in the past that are sort of more of a masterclass where everyone just sits and watches a demonstration, but these ones are hands-on. So cool. Right. What would that roughly set someone back for one of those? Uh, they're $100 a ticket. Okay. It's not bad. But they get the two-hour session and they get to take all the products that they use as well. So it's hundreds of dollars worth of products. That's good value. Bargain. Yeah. yeah. So your Instagram handle is? OzBeauty, O-Z. Beauty Expert, yeah. Excellent. And the website is the same. OzBeautyExpert.com. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, I feel more attractive already. There you go. <laughs> you got a long way to go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a wand. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Bonnie. No worries. Thanks for having really me. Really appreciate you coming on and educating us mere men. Do you feel more knowledgeable? I do. <laughs> I actually had a, a good half an hour rundown with my wife about the products. So Did you? I'm feeling empowered. Good. Yeah. yeah. You won't see me in any makeup just yet, I don't think, there. <laughs> Where's Jake? What's going on? What is this? Great. Uh, Thank you for your time. No worries. Nice to talk to you. Thank Thanks, you for having me. Thank you.